In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. Well, hello and welcome back to the Quality Matters podcast. I am Kyle Chambers. And as always, Quality Matters is brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. Today, we've got two guests on the podcast. So doing it a little bit differently here, but we've got a really kind of interesting, fun uh, take on a topic. Um, wondering what's going to happen with uh, ISO, the International Certification System and Schemes, with the war in Ukraine, the sanctions on Russia, and just all the craziness going on around the world. How might it impact in the long term? So that's really as much as I got here. We've got the guys on that are going to be able to tell you a little bit more. So um, let's welcome back. Um, Michael Miles and Chris Paris. So I've, we've got quite the meeting of the minds today here, right? <laughs> well, well, it's good to be here. Hey, uh, oh, so let's go ahead and do a quick introduction for folks that may not have listened the past few weeks. So uh, Michael, give me just a real quick intro on you then, and same thing for you, Chris. Okay, um, I'm Michael Mills. My basic focus is on meeting quality requirements in the most pragmatic way possible. And I blog about this, so you can find my uh, obnoxious opinions uh, <laughs> going going live every week out at um, pragmatic quality, that's pragmatic-quality.blogspot.com. Cool. And Make sure we got a link in the uh, description there. And I, I got to tell you, getting stuff, it, both of you are prolific writers. And that is something I wish I was better at. I'm lucky to just get this podcast out every week. And you can check the history. I kind of fail there a lot of times. So, <laughs> yeah, but, but you've got a podcast. So that's a good thing, too. <laughs> hey, Chris. So, We've had you on before. We give us a quick, uh, quick intro for folks that uh, might not be uh, regular weekly listeners. Yeah, I'm uh, Chris Paris. I'm with Oxbridge Quality Resources. Been around since uh, 2000 or so in the ISO scheme, and I'm uh, generally the uh, the troublemaker in the industry. Uh, I do a lot of reporting on the uh, the conflicts of interest and fraud inside the ISO scheme. I also do ISO consulting as well. Um, so, uh, I'm, I'm coming in unprepared for this, uh, this, uh, uh topic today, to do it, though. Uh, but I've been invited. And so I want to come and I'm kind of interested to see how it goes. So cool. 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 So as always, I, I just like casual conversations and, you know, I've said this on the podcast before. it's like, there's no shortage of, uh, no way to put it mildly stuck up intellectuals who love to blabber on with jargon over and over and i don't think most people really want nor need that and the few that do y'all got sources to go to um so michael this was kind of a your idea to talk on i think it's fascinating i think chris is the perfect person to, to bring in to chime in some opinions so fill us in on uh on your idea here today okay so at a at a thirty thousand foot level um <clears throat> my idea is basically there's a war going on, Russia, Ukraine, may have heard about it. No, sanctions, <laughs> sanctions against Russia from 
all of Western Europe, the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Japan. And in particular, that means we can get into the details of why it works this way. But that means that the international certification bodies are required to be sanctioning Russia and therefore mm -hmm. can't do any business in Russia, therefore <clears throat> can't certify anybody in Russia. Um, and so I look at that and say, how's that going to play out over time? Mm -hmm. And the way I figure it, if the war ends tomorrow, fine, we'll all go back to what we were doing or something. Yep. But um, if it doesn't, I and think I got a feeling that, it won't. Yeah, I, I have a feeling you're right. <laughs> um, and so if it doesn't, I figure over time, the Russians are going to figure out a way to live without us mm -hmm. um, because they, they'll have to. Well, and, and that's they, not entirely unheard of. No, of course. And but that means that when we finally get peace down the road, whenever that happens and we say, great, let's let's reestablish the international order. Um, I figure the Russians are likely to tell us to take a hike. Um, like we're getting along fine without you yeah. and you guys annoy us. So why should we bother? And in the short term, that means Russia's isolated in the long term. There's a lot of countries out there that are still doing business with <clears throat> them now mm -hmm. and that may decide they want to start certifying to Russian standards instead of to the ISO standards, because they're doing more business with Russia than they are with Western Europe and the United States. Yep. And if that happens, we're going to end up with a world that has at least two different systems of standards, maybe more, yeah. at least two. And the whole concept of a single international standardization organization will be gone. Possibly. So that's that. That already took longer than I wanted, and that's just a 30,000-foot <laughs> level. Well, I mean, it makes sense, though. And, uh, you know, I'll, Chris, I'll have you chime in here in just a second. But, like, I run into this a lot with API versus ISO, right? So okay. API has the API Q1, <clears throat> which is really darn similar. I wouldn't say close to identical, but really, really darn similar to ISO 9001. There's a few differences, but they can mostly be meshed together. And I think the fact that they can mostly be meshed together is because API at one point basically just does copied word for word ISO and put some additional val shells at the end. So, you know, <laughs> it makes the integration easier. Yeah. Um, you know, I've run into before with the old uh, 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 OSAS 18002, the British standard that then, you know, it's now the 45001. So, there's still some of these issues going on, but I guess the big question is, would we be looking at some manageable differences in the future, or could we be looking at some really dramatic um, changes? So, Chris, what's what's your thoughts on that? That's a lot to unpack. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> well, you got yeah, so my, my, first, to do my it first inclination is to say if Russia were to you know, leave tomorrow, you know, good riddance. I don't know if I care. <laughs> um, it's just that that country has proven to be so problematic that, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they don't deserve to be part of an international community. You know, uh, there's plenty of Russian people over there probably don't like what's going on, but the overwhelming majority of their population is on board with this. So they want to create a little, another hermit kingdom like North Korea and, you know, let them go for it. Um, 
but uh, then the bigger question, I guess, is would that break up this single, this idea that Michael says of a, of a you know, a universal single mm-hmm. source of certification, meaning ISO or, yeah. or standards, not yeah. certification. Well, and even API source. will do the ISO certifications as well. Yeah. I don't know if we have, um, well, another point in, in just random order. I don't know. I got a lot of thoughts going through my head, but I'm not sure that Russia is the real risk. Uh, China is the is the one that is right now working on a plan mm-hmm. to eradicate ISO, and well, do it in front of everybody. And, bring and this they, up because I've been. It, uh, I have it here. It's called China Standard 2035. Mm. You can Google that. China Standard okay. 2035. It's an official government policy, um, and of course they don't say they're going to eradicate ISO, but they're talking about overtaking standards development first internally to China and then internationalizing Chinese standards. Mm-hmm. And the big concern that companies have is, oh, now we got to comply with ISO and we got to comply with Chinese standards that want to do mm-hmm. China. They're already underway with that. Yeah. Russia, Russia's barely out of the caves. I mean, they're still <laughs> trying to invent the light bulb over there. It's really a mess. Um, I'm not sure they're the ones we need to worry about. But I think that. I think we all agree that, that there's ISO a wants to partnership hold... there. Go ahead. I think we can all agree that between Russia and China, that that's a big partnership forming that almost what one does, the other one maybe not follows in lockstep, but we're seeing a lot of similarities in, in policy there. Yeah, that's well, China hates Russia. They, they don't like them, but they get along with them more than they get along with the United States. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so ISO's problem right now is the real reason that they will not stand up against China. I mean, sorry, they won't stand up against Russia. Mm-hmm. is because they don't want to upset China. They don't care about upsetting Russia. Russia right now, if I look at the, the data, Russia has 4,313 ISO 9001 certificates. That's insignificant. It's, it's, we probably you know, have that. Over, it was over a million, so they don't really care about that. Um, they do care about the China market. And if ISO were to stand up against Russia, that's going to upset China. And they will not do anything to upset China, um, which is silly because China's basically told them you got a target on your back we're going to take over standards development <laughs> um so so maybe i i don't know i don't want to i don't want to change the topic no but because we're talking about russia and ukraine but the other part of me says that you know which which is more important having a single standard scheme mm-hmm. or morality and I, and I just think that what russia is doing is so horrible agreed they need to be held accountable but it does set um, it sets a course for us doing that now. Every time some country does something bad, we're going to kick them out of ISO. Uh, and I don't know, but I know yeah. the Russia thing is just is just over the limit. It's over yeah. the limit. And to be clear, I'm not recommending some different course of action from what we're doing. No, I'm not. I'm not saying, oh yeah, the Russians are really great guys or anything <laughs> like that. I'm not saying that. Do not do not take a snip that snippet. And, and post it by itself. Um, oh, that's what the I'm internet's saying, good for, though. That's, that's oh, what it's the designed for. Wonderful for that. But no, all I'm saying is that everything you do has a ripple effect. Yeah. And that we should therefore, if we look downstream, expect to see the system unraveling. Yeah. And it's um, and it might as you. You, as you point out, it might have unraveled anyway, even if nothing had happened uh, between be Russia and the Ukraine because of because of China. Yes, yeah. that's entirely possible. Um, and while it's true that 
Russia doesn't represent a very significant market for ISO today. And Russia by itself probably won't in a long time. My thought is right now there's a lot of countries where the penetration of ISO is very superficial or non-existent. Um, <clears throat> and because they don't have enough going on that it's worth it to them to really institutionalize a standard system. Or if they do, it's something purely local. However, ultimately, <clears throat> as those countries advance and join the world market, they're going to have a choice of whose system of standards do they want to sign up with. And that's where I say, you know, in the long term, I don't know, but I can't guarantee that it's going to be ours. So um, here's the big question I would pose mm -hmm. is, and again, this kind of one brought up API. Well, you know, let me you know, kind of consolidate right. my thoughts here as well. <clears throat> so my feelings that if there are some big issues to come, Russia's probably the catalyst moving this stuff forward, maybe a little bit faster than might have happened otherwise. China's always, you know, I'd say always for the last couple of decades, a threat on going rogue, doing their own things, and then trying to drag as much of the world with them as possible, yep. which I guess is still politics is the way it's been for the last 2000 years. Anyways, <laughs> um, <clears throat> just we don't want to be in the middle of watching it unravel. But the question that I would have is, let's say that this does happen and China does develop their own system of standardization in competition with ISO and Russia and a handful of other countries join in. Well, are we going to be looking at similar differences like we have with the API standards, with the ISO, where, you know, you do one, you do the other. We can mesh them together. The numbers on the clauses change, but the requirements are basically the same. Or we're looking at some pretty dramatic differences, um, like trying to take, you know, an, an ISO standard from the 90s and integrate it with stuff from today. You know, how much of a, a difference and how much of a problem for companies out there that need these dual certifications do you expect? Um, my thought is, again, in the short term, it'll probably be all pretty close um, because, you know, the way if you want to set up uh, your own system of standards, the easiest way to do it is to start by photocopying somebody else's and then <laughs> change the logo on the top. Um, but in the long term, you know, anybody who's managed documents knows that if you have two primary sources for the same document, mm -hmm. they're going to diverge. And so over time, now, how much will it diverge? How much of an issue will it be? I don't know, but I assume that over time there are going to be updates on this side that the other side says, nah, we're not interested in picking those up, but we have some things that are issues for us that we're going to incorporate that we don't want and blah, blah, blah. And over the long haul, I assume that they would get fairly, fairly different. Uh, the, the standards for um, how you make light bulbs so that they screw into sockets, that might not change nearly as fast. Management system standards, I expect to change. Well, if there's one thing we know is that <clears throat> China and Russia are really, really good at stealing other people's intellectual property. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll definitely be copy and paste. It'll be copy and paste. And eventually it might diverge. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it could be Russia's the catalyst for this. The, the, 
the thing, but I think ISO has a problem with the fact that it's losing control of its standards already. Maybe rightfully so. ISO brings this upon itself because it's, just, you know, I, I just call it a corrupt organization. I think it's, uh, you know, a mafia with a UN style logo. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, you look at like, that might the, be the title for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, in 2005 or so, um, the ISO committee for ISO 9001, TC 176, had as one of its goals to reduce the proliferation of sector specific quality standards. Now we fast forward to their, their business plan now, and it's actually to assist in those. Hmm. They've given up, they've surrendered. And so we have AS9100 and TL9000 and, and, uh, and, and API and, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, all these others, and it's getting crazy. So companies already have to pick and choose which standard they're going to comply with. Yeah. Um, will it get worse if different countries have it? Probably. Um, but uh, I think also it'll be isolated. You might have the communist dictatorial regimes or the quasi ones like Russia's not communist anymore, but whatever. Yeah. Know, I mean, Russia and China and North Korea will have their set and like, who cares? <laughs> I mean, you know, it'll be, I guess Hungary will have a problem. They'll have a decision they have to make <laughs> which one they're going to go with. But, uh, you know, for most of my companies in, in the United States, Europe and those South America and everything, they're not going to go that way. But, um, you know, none of us have a crystal ball. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. This, well, now, this could get crazy in 10 years. Now, I mean, you say South America, but um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe any country south of the Rio Grande have, have sanctioned against, sanctioned Russia. Um, and hmm. the, and the thing is that, you know, enough years ago, yes, the Russian economy, because it's still not a tremendously large economy, it wouldn't have been a big deal, but Russia's sitting on a lot of oil and there are countries that would love to buy oil from Russia and, you know, including countries that right now are not significant players, but that are getting an infrastructure given to them, quote, for free by China. Yeah. Um, for free, meaning, yeah, yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll send you the bill later. Um, right. And that's where I'm thinking that it will end up falling apart over time is not next year, not five years from now, but 20 years from now. Yeah, probably. You raise a really good point. I'm, I'm in Peru right now. Right. <clears throat> right. And what I've seen here in real life is that the United States in particular in Europe have sort of abandoned South America, countries like Peru, Colombia, Ecuador, all these countries. And um, that was, that gap has been filled by China and Russia. Mm -hmm. So when the, when the COVID uh, pandemic hit, you had only a few choices for COVID vaccines. One was Sputnik, which was provided by Russia, which didn't work. And the other one was Sinopharm, uh, which is from China. And a lot of people that I know had that. Hmm. I waited until the um, uh, Pfizer came out down here. Yeah. But uh, to this day, uh, Sinopharm is still, is still very popular down here. So, uh, And also many of the mines are owned by China here. Uh, China hmm. products are everywhere. Chinese cars are on the street. We have we have cars on hmm. the streets of Peru that have no English language logo. The, hmm. the logo is written in Chinese, so you don't even know what the name of the car is because it's just a bunch of Chinese letters. <laughs> I don't read Chinese. Um, my daughter's learning Chinese. I have her learning Mandarin hmm. uh, because of the influence of China. So interesting. Um, that's a, that's a really good point. Is that um, the West, Europe, and the United States have squandered their relationship with with South America, uh, and China is coming in. 
Russia is yeah. providing oil and things, and of course, supporting Venezuela. And China's got the market locked up on so many things down here. So Peru, in particular, would be stuck if if China and Russia created their own ISO equivalent. Right now, Peru is like loyal as a dog to ISO, but they could switch in a minute. Uh, they wouldn't care. So well, that's basically, like I'll say, the the first iterations of these standards are effectively copy and paste. Well, what the hell does it matter if I switch? It's the same yeah. thing. And mm -hmm. I've you know I advise clients. On you know, at least once a month, someone asks, "Well, should we do nine thousand one or Q one?" I'm like, "Who's your biggest customer?" Ask them. Yeah, um, I mean, that's really what it boils down to: is who's your customer? What what do they care about? It's the same. Ninety percent of it's the same. You you could all we have to do is change a couple of references in your manual. You went from Q one to nine thousand one. Um, it's a little more difficult to do now than it was five years ago. Five years ago, it's the same. So I, I kind of see your point, Michael. Michael is like they're already diverging a little bit. Then, of course, um, API's got the Q2 standard for the services um, industry, whereas 9001, it's like, yeah, we don't really care what you do. You could be a church, you could be a manufacturer, you could be, you know, doing NDT work. 9001 is for you. <laughs> so, what? Um, what type changes? You know, so we're talking about you know changes, and this is all speculation, total speculation here. Um, but like, what type changes would you think might be different? What would be some differences there? I mean, would you expect this to go much more granular to the industry specific, kind of like you mentioned, or you know, what would be different if if some new quasi international standard comes out in the next uh, decade? I'll, I'll take that. Uh, I don't know what that'll be. Um, all I know is that the people involved who in, in those countries in Russia and China, they're just not very good at this. So whatever mm -hmm. standard they produce is going to be a cop. It's going to be a poor copy and paste. Uh, they don't have big thinkers over there that, that are going to advance this. The, those people have fled those countries. And the other thing is China's policy is specifically said it's going to be China first. So whatever mm -hmm. additional tweaks they do is going to be to support their country. Yeah. Sure. Um, I don't know what that would look like, though. I don't yeah. know what changes, what what that would mean. It's a good question. No, that, that's what I'm thinking. I was like, well, you know, if it's all different. OK, well, well, how bad is it that it's different? Because, again, I've got several clients that maintain both 9001 and Q1. And it's like, OK, well, the only real difference we pick is, well, which numbering scheme are we going to go with? Right. Mm -hmm. Are we going to number things according to the 9001 clauses or the Q1 clauses? Other than that, interested parties, issues, calibrations, it's all the same. Um, but here would be a, uh, a, another thing, Chris, this, this would be for you, is with, um, with a new standard coming out, and let's say that they did, and not that there's many American manufacturers that send stuff over to China. It's kind of the, the opposite relationship there. <laughs> um, but uh, what what would be some problems that you could see with that uh, certification method? Because obviously we know that the existing certification method is fraught with problems, but I guess at its core, the principle is good. You get objective, unbiased, accredited, you know, and then they, they send out the certifications. But do you think that this is something that would follow a similar format or it's going to be like a Chinese or a Russian organization that says, nope, we send our people to certify you and maybe give us a little bit along the way. 
Yeah, I think that's what it would be. <laughs> My dog is eating over here, so that's what all the noise is about. It's better that than barking. Um, yeah, no, it's going to be their own thing. Um, it's going to serve their own interests, uh, um, and it's going to be – I mean, I, I frankly don't even understand why um, some of these schemes like the IAQG and aerospace haven't just thrown out IAF and ISO and just done their own thing. Um, yeah. In the automotive, they've done that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I just yeah. think that's what it'll be. So if a company has to serve both, they're going to go through two audits under two different schemes with two different standards, yep. pay twice as much. And who shows up? Yeah, it could be Chinese auditors and that sort of thing, which obviously is not going to be legally possible during in the United States anyway. So, yeah, maybe that's not a, a risk, but it, 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 will, it would be a mess. Yeah. Well, OK, so let, you brought up automotive. So, you know, you've got the what is it, I, IETF 16, uh, 949 16, standard. Right. So I've got a, um, two clients that that maintain the IETF and the ISO standard. And so, yeah, they do. They have to go through two entire audit cycles every year. We, we've tried to combine the 9001 and then 16994, uh, getting all my numbers mixed up here, um, audits together. And it, it just doesn't work well. You know, it's it's kind of like, well, which ones are we looking at? Which ones we're we not looking at? So, um, I guess uh, maybe we'll wrap it up here in a minute. Well, what are some kind of your your final thoughts on, um, on, on this issue? You know, is is this something that businesses really need to start thinking about considering? What if they've got a lot of ties with some of these other, you know, uh, I guess I'd say non. Uh, non-major western uh western countries you know what are some things that they'd have to consider in the meantime what needs to be on their 10-year forecast to to worry about um i would figure that in for the one year and five year forecast and nah, i don't even bother it's it's this is the kind of thing that's good if it happens and as it happens it will be slow okay um but 10 year and and 20 years so the kind of thing that you mark down on a post-it note and stick on your wall and you're going to come back and look at it in a while (laughs) um it's it's gonna be a question ultimately of exactly as you're saying who's your customer and if your customer you know sooner or later you'll get to the point where one or the other standard will get updated with something that, you know, I mean, it might be ISO. It might be that TC-176 goes crazy. Not that Chris would ever imagine that happening, but, you know, they might. <laughs> and, you know, puts in something completely bizarre. Um, Documented information, risk-based thinking, kill preventative maintenance. Or yeah, yeah, whatever it yeah, is. And, like that. And, and that... Um, that a company that is, has been straddling the line for a while finally has to decide, do I break one direction or do I break the other direction? Okay. And then okay. it'll be, then it'll be, you know, the same kind of transition that you would have to do just because the ISO standard itself got updated anyway. Um, because it won't be night and day when there are changes, but you'll make a transition. But, you know, in the long term, I think ISO will be slowly putting themselves out of business um, yeah. if they haven't if they haven't um, succumbed to some of the other things that, that Chris has been writing about in the meantime, which will accelerate <laughs> the process. So two things for you, Chris, then here is um, one, 
Have you seen or heard anything recently about how soon 9001 might be getting its uh, last minute crazy update that we talked about last time? No new news from from our last discussion. Um, they've kind of gone silent on that. But it's really uh, a good thing. You know, behind the scenes, they're really pushing to update that. They've already started work on the new the new standard, no matter what they they say. But uh, they do face a little bit of public relations backlash now because so many votes, you know, countries said don't update it. Now they're yeah. saying they will anyway. Yeah. So they're trying to figure out how to navigate that. But no, they kind of gone radio silent for a while on that. Cool. And then the second one is I know you've been posting a lot on LinkedIn recently about uh, the number of certifications from China versus the rest of the world. So how can we tie in some of the the data that you're seeing there into this conversation and maybe just give folks that are listening that don't follow you on LinkedIn every day, which they ought to, but um, give us an update on kind of what you're seeing there. Well, the new ISO survey came out yesterday uh, and every year, uh, you know, usually a day after they publish their report, we Oxford publishes its analysis. And I did that. And if you go to LinkedIn, there's a live video that I did this morning. Uh, it's recorded now that, uh, that you can see me talking about that. But the, there's two factors that we saw. There was a huge spike in ISO 9001, but not because of any kind of popularity, because of an improved reporting by UCAS, the, the UK okay. accreditation service, and because of this in tremendous influx of fake certificates from China mm -hmm. that are being rolled into the official numbers. So there's no control yep. over China. Um, so that does tie in here. It shows the, the influence of China. Uh, Russia doesn't seem to be a big player, but they could be the first domino in something. Yeah. I think the one company that needs to be most worried about this is ISO. They're playing a very dangerous game by trying to placate China when China's mm -hmm. pretty open about the fact that they don't really need ISO, right? <laughs> They're not even paying for the standards. They just steal the standards. They don't, nobody buys standards in China. You, you download a PDF. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know if, if they, they really have the right mindset. They need to be concerned about that. But I'm not sure that they need to figure a way not to placate these bad actors either. Yeah, They're placating they're placating Russia and China. It's not really working for them. It's yeah. upsetting people. Yeah. My mindset is more short term is I, I don't want to support Russia. I think what they did is bad. I'm not really concerned about the about the, <laughs> the 20 year impact. I'll be dead. Uh, so I just want to hold them accountable now. And China. Yeah, I don't really not fond of them either. Yeah. But uh, Michael's raising some important questions that I hadn't really thought about. Um, yeah, no, I think this is a this is a fun conversation. It, it's you know, again, it, it's stuff that you don't think about every day. But, you know, as always, the world's changing, new things are coming, and it's kind of a good idea to get a, a head start on it. And um, so, Michael, any uh, final thoughts there? Um, I think I, I, I think I wrapped up. Uh, with the last time you asked, yeah, cool. it's so, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be overnight. It's um, and yeah, a lot of people who are working in the business now won't be by the time it happens. But true. I do think I do think things are going to unravel. So assuming TC-176 committee that reviews and updates the standards doesn't just totally crash the scheme themselves with some, because I've seen some <laughs> bonkers ideas for updates to come out the new standard. I'm like, oh, yes. I mean, I, I get it. You know, climate's an issue, but I don't think that's an issue for 9001. No. I get it. Agile's the the, uh, the buzzword for every geek out there, but I don't think it belongs in 9001. Yep. So there's some really bonkers issues. So assuming they don't just destroy themselves, we might have some competition on the horizon that, that might be about like integrating, you know, uh, something like a IATF or API into yep. the mix, which basically that, yes, exactly. on its own, not that big of a deal. But uh, so I've got three kids, all three of them in school and in, and 
every teacher. It's not so bad out in the country as it was when we were in uh, in Houston. But every teacher thinks that they want an app to make their classroom better. I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. Until you've got three kids with 20 teachers between them. And those 20 <gasps> teachers got 18 different apps. And it's like, dang, what <laughs> use? <laughs> so yeah. as long as the certification world doesn't devolve to that point, we can probably weather it. But if it devolves to that point, um, if it devolves to that point, we've got enough other problems that, you know, <laughs> well, guys, hey, this has been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm glad to get the, the two of you on here together. Um, this is great. So um, I will make certain that in the show notes, we've got uh, links to uh, your you. websites, the, the video you're talking about, uh, Chris, make sure that we got all the information in there for folks to take a look at. So. Yeah, if anyone has any questions about anything, I, I think we got uh, got a pretty good little meeting of the minds here. So, now this has been a lot of fun, guys. I appreciate it. Y'all take care. Thanks, Thanks for having us. All right, bye. Well, folks, that is wrap up on another episode. So, a little bit different topics and things that we've got to kind of think about and consider. And you know, when the standard does talk about what are the internal and external issues. So, maybe this isn't going to be of concern for your organization immediately, but this is the type thought process that you have to go through when you're evaluating these changes in the economy, changes in the market. You really got to start to take a look at it in the long term versus the short term what do we need to do now what do we need to do then who are the players in it how's this work so really really great uh great example here so definitely encourage you to go check out uh michael's blog check out uh, chris on uh, linkedin just so much so much good information such great guys to work with and that is all we got for today so i hope you guys have a great day and i hope to talk to you soon